I'm Andrew from the Jungle Giants and you're listening to Blitz Radio. Joining us on Blitz Radio, we have Andrew Duras from the Jungle Giants. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries, my pleasure. So, quite ferocity. Um, congratulations on that to begin with. It was, it was a bloody awesome album. Um, but it's, it's quite different um, and has a different feel and sound from the previous two. What prompted the change in, in your sound? Um, I'm not sure if there's like uh, really... I don't know. We, we don't prompt ourselves to change as such, but uh, I guess we're informed a lot by what we're listening to at the time and uh, what we think is cool and exciting and what scenes we're following around the world. And um, Yeah, and I guess like uh, we're, we are always uh, looking to uncover new territory. So yeah. uh, particularly this time around, I know for Sam, uh, in the early stages, production was a huge part of the record. So, like, um, really getting to getting into the nitty gritty with learning how to use um, a lot of uh, production techniques and learning how to recreate sounds that he's that he loves and that he that catches ear in other people's music and or just in everyday life as well. So, like. Um, and that that uh, obsession with production kind of pushed him to listen to a lot of uh, dance music because um, it has really interesting. Uh, yeah, it's really production heavy kind of. Yeah. it's a really production heavy genre. Um, yeah, I would say that like in general, our, our tastes also developed to uh, to like dance music and to get into a lot of different. Uh, yeah electronic and dance artists and probably that's a genre that none of us really had super hadn't had like super gotten into yeah but um yeah i mean also like having to being in club environments and djing around brisbane sydney melbourne taking on those kind of gigs late in the night kind of introduced us to doing that djing in general i know for sam is a bit became a bit of a passion and a bit of a uh yeah a bit of a fun pastime for him so that definitely just being in that environment and and yeah uh, finding a taste for that kind of music and whatever really informed what informed how the record was yeah well i was gonna i was gonna ask about um sam as as a producer because of course he took the um the lead on on the new album sitting in the producer chair um yeah. Did that change how the the band dynamics worked, or even really the process for for everyone else? Um, did it change the band dynamics? Sure, it did. Um, but in general, it's for us. It's always been a kind of Sam with the director cap on, and the rest of us as uh, filtering layers, as uh, as refiners, and yeah. as as support for him to be able to like really get the most out of, uh, you know, get, bring his ideas to fruition. Of course we have our own ideas and mm-hmm. we guide and shape the way that the songs go and what songs we do play and what songs we do put on the record. And But in general, uh, I think it just, it kind of just cemented a, a structure that was probably already there in the beginning anyway. Yeah. Um, if anything, uh, there's probably... At certain points, there's actually 
there's been more motivation from the from the rest of us to to uh, yeah to uh, be of uh, be of more use to the to the group as a whole. Yeah, um, and there's been more. Uh, organization in allocating our different skills and strengths and weaknesses so Mm. it's good um sam sam stepping into producer stepping into the producer role um uh, it meant it meant more work for all of us really because um which more work that we were all happy to do (laughs) yeah Um, yeah because like you know uh that's like a, a massive amount of work yeah, of course. For person to, ha- to do, and so it's like the support for him to do that is also ends up being a lot of work as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was it was just very organised, and everyone took on different roles as, at different points. I mean, that's kind of just our dynamic anyway, which is that um, we all really love working with each other. We'll have a there's a very big family vibe to us, and we're all really understanding and. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, the it, work. The, you know, it's it's not like a data entry or like uh, <laughs> sitting at a desk. It's not like this hierarchical <laughs> thing. It's like there's a as a set amount of work that needs to be done, and who does it when, and who organizes it for it to be done is different each time. And yeah, the thing is, that's most important is that we have trust and that we get it all done and that we appreciate each other. Yeah, which, I mean, it sounds like you do in the music. It seems to come across that you guys, you know where everything's meant to be in it and it does coordinate really well. Um, yeah, and it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's not, that's yeah. not to say that we're organized. It's a scramble. <laughs> it's a total scramble. But, um, but it's a good scramble. Uh, that it's a scramble, all hands on deck, everyone willing and everyone has respected love for each other through the scramble mm. if the even if there's any like <laughs> awkwardness or whatever <laughs> there's always awkwardness there's always like there's always need for perseverance and tolerance and sometimes there's need to need there's time to there needs to be time to and understanding to take breaks and whatever but like a common goal mm. and a common uh a mutual respect and love for one another really like keeps us together and will keep all good bands together I think yeah yeah I mean it's kind of the key ingredient I think it's a chemical X yeah yeah a little bit yeah um, it's really interesting that you say you know about how you guys all have that mutual relationship for each other because and and respect because you guys started back in high school not in the same band but in in different bands it seems um I guess, what made you guys decide to lay lay down your arms between bands and decide to form a, a unified Jungle Giants band? <laughs> this, is a, this is a weird, like, Korean uh, element to what you're saying, which yeah. is kind of freaking weird. Um, <laughs> you're in uh, dense battle, you know, in high school. Everyone knew that you want to be the top band, but... <laughs> um, I think... being in a band within high school is like there are some I don't know you're limited by like yeah. a small pool of people and and really you're just joining as, and playing as much music with as many different types of people as you, as you possibly can and, yeah uh, there was no real like question of uh, like leaving one band for another yeah. but 
it was more so. Uh, I mean, I'm like that. That's not to say that there wasn't feelings hurt. I'm sure there's a few people from our high school that uh, had wished they got the call up instead of me or uh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in the end, it's like it's so funny looking back. I just think I say this all the time, like. Me and Sam weren't even particularly close. I just always mm. complimented him on his music and I always thought he was, uh, you know, I always thought he was really, really talented. And yeah. I, you know, I'd, he was just a funny guy around high school. And uh, it took us, like, just having a, a rather large night, <laughs> a large, large underage night. Yeah. And, uh, in, in, like, playing some soppy songs that we both had written in a, in a shed somewhere when I was 16 and took that after that experience it was like three months after that I was 16 Sam was 17 turning 18 and Sam was like oh do you want to play in my band um, think, I, I don't know what I'm going to do but I just want to do this stuff in recording blah 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 you can play guitar right but yeah. would you mind playing bass and I was like oh yeah sure no worries <laughs> why not I hadn't I'd never I didn't even own a bass I didn't own a bass until like six months into touring oh my god um, good good start yeah. into a profession great start yeah so it was kind of like yeah there was there was uh, I don't know if, you can kind of smell out people who are either committed or respect you or yeah or have similar taste um and it's going to be some combination of those three things and some other personality traits that's going to wind up with you all latching on together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a pretty good origin story, I got to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, uh, it's, it's a trip, you know. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's like seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a while back. Maybe even, actually, maybe even longer. God damn it, I'm getting old. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah it's funny to think that, that that a lot of my now, my life now and probably my life in the future was dependent on me uh, being filled with courage, you know, mm. in liquid form <laughs> and, and, showing, and showing some guy that I thought was kind of cool, probably much cooler than me, some stupid songs that I had written. Yeah. That I've never done anything with, mind you. Um, but, <laughs> but hey, like, you know, it was a good start. Yeah. But, yeah. The, you know, that's the good show. You can be in a, a moderately successful uh, Australian band and uh, play in front of some people occasionally <laughs> uh, if you just get drunk with your friends. And Yeah, what... What a what a lesson to teach all our all our uni listeners, guys! Just continue going to these uni parties. Just get hammered. Who knows? You could be touring around Australia. Oh, don't get too much. I mean, my parents are doctors, after all. I'm not sure, it's great for your liver. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No fair call. Um, I wanted to ask. Of course, you played Groove in the Moo this year and Rock Spender 2016, both huge festivals um, around Australia. Has there been any performances so far for you that really really stand out that take the cake? Uh, like one-off gigs? Yeah, one-off gigs or a festival, perhaps. Hmm. Um, I mean, each tour has a has its own vibe and has its own uh, things that you remember it for. Yeah, I, our first album tour was was a, <laughs> a total blur, uh, <laughs> but 
I, you know, got one of my best friends out of that tour. Like, I live with um, a guy who plays in a band called The Creases, and they yeah. hadn't done anything. Uh, and we took them on the road as a, as our opener on that tour, and, you know, I have a great friend out of that tour. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Um, that was a great time. Uh, any standout gigs, though? I mean, for me, last year, Splendor in the Grass mm. was uh, completely life-affirming. <laughs> I, yeah uh, yeah you know like yeah i was 23 years old and uh, on a more personal note yeah like i was going through some pretty interesting life changes and yeah uh, and you know five years out of school or something six years out of school i guess no five years yeah yeah i five you years. know five years of being in a band and really wondering you know moving into the next record and finishing up the, the second record and really wondering where you're at. There's nothing like playing to a completely, you know, to like 15,000 people. Yeah. Splendor in the grass. <laughs> you yeah, know, not a, too a far from game. your hometown. There's yeah. nothing like that to make you go like, oh, actually, there's something here. Yeah. <laughs> there's really, I, what am I even talking about? My life <laughs> is so silly and so good. Um, yeah. And I'm here with all the people that I love and there's nothing that could stop me from enjoying this yeah i don't think, um, i don't think anyone plays at splendor and they're like you know what actually that wasn't one of the best experiences of my life you know it seems to be the common theme yeah i i think uh yeah it has really turned into that landmark that landmark gig in australia now splendor and mm. it wasn't always that way i mean you yeah, know of course. big day out you know you had and like even falls was probably a little bigger than splendor mm. maybe a few years ago but now it is the landmark gig, you know. And yeah, for sure. It doesn't, I don't know, I think you could have a bad experience with Swanton the Cross, but uh, that for me is one of the standout moments, like probably one of the best moments of my life. Yeah. Playing Swanton the Cross. At a good time slot in front of, like we were not expecting to get the crowd that we got that day. Mm. And, um, yeah, between eight and 12,000 people or something like. It's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Of yeah. course. Um, cool. Another one that stands out is uh, the General of the Road show that we did with Mumford and Sons. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, really they're a big deal. Well. So. thousand people. They were like they're just legends of people. Yeah. I, like it, it was a complete shock for them to be as nice as they were. Yeah. Oh, well, met, I'm sure. I met uh, Vince Vaughn as well. Oh, yeah, so that's that was cool. An interesting <laughs> When when you were interacting with um, Mumford and Sons, you know I'm sure you're a fan of their music. What did you get a bit of like, I guess, starstruck or you know unsure what to say? Like, how do I open for them? Um, so it was a weird thing. So they, I hadn't really listened to their music that much, to be honest. I was maybe a bit too much of a snob. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I'd heard that they were super nice people. And the gentleman of the road thing was there, was there like a, what was it? It's kind of like their festival thing that they put on. And yeah. so they kind of, they, Marcus himself and the others all have a pretty big say in what goes on at that festival. Mm. And we're like very personally invested, which, you, you know, you wouldn't actually necessarily expect. Um, so, you know, when we got there, I was like, I don't know, we're playing like three o'clock or something. Mumford and Sons weren't 
playing for like 11. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we're not going to see them for a few hours. They'll probably turn up an hour before they play. And, yeah, of course. And like, and like whatever. But the moment we got there, he, Marcus Mufford himself, like he was there just yeah. hanging out. <laughs> just was like kind of the loudest person in the room and like really taking a, going around and shaking everyone's hand and meeting everyone and saying yeah. thank you for playing. And what a champion. Like, it was, it was it was like surreal. It was absolutely yeah. surreal, and uh, you know, it, it was like uh, after the London attacks. I oh, don't know. No, sorry, not the London attacks. The Paris attacks yeah. and the, the Bataclan, and um, and so like they had like a lot of their crew were really shaken up, and they were really shaken up because they knew um, Eagles of Death Metal, like they knew the band, yeah, um, and their crew, and so they invited everyone at the end of the gig. Um, to come on stage with them and play to 20,000 people, like, play have <laughs> yeah. a little help with my friends to 20,000 Mumford fans. Yeah, wow. Um, and, you know, then after that, they put on a massive after party for everyone. Yeah, top They're blokes. there and hanging out. It was, it was just like, it was like, oh, whoa, you are successful because <laughs> you, you're a very good songwriter and whatever and, and everything but also just because you are a dead set legend yeah yeah and like everyone that works for you actually loves you as yeah. well and everyone that doesn't work for you wants to work for you yeah like it's kind of the ultimate uh, ultimate dream yeah totally. <laughs> um now just quickly before i let you go i have a quick a couple of quick rapid fire questions um, about some of your tracks if you're if you're keen to take them on oh, happily yeah um, who in the band would you deem Mr. Polite um, oh, I no one me I'm probably yeah. the I'm probably the only one who's not going to swear at you in the yeah. first 15 minutes okay you, so. good okay uh, good that, start. saying that we're all well mannered we just uh, my sense of humour is a little less offensive okay <laughs> Um, I wake up in the night sometimes after being chased by a clown. Have you ever had a recurring bad dream? Oh, this is a really good pun. I appreciate it. Oh, thank uh, you. It's funny. I have a few things to say about this statement. Uh, yeah. Do I have one? I oh, I had the I had the classic teeth falling out one for a while. Oh yeah, that's not fun. Oh, that is frightening. Say goodbye uh, to carrots. Had a had a recurring falling dream as well. Yeah. Um, but actually, if you watch our skin to bone video, mm. it's a third single off, one of second single off the first record. Yeah. Um, and that is an animated video, and where we described, where we put like a lot of our like recurring scary dreams. <laughs> Like we gave them to as a skin, like a weird script form to um, to an animator, and they yeah. just like animated our freaky dreams, and it was kind of weird to see them. Yeah, <laughs> to our own music. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, very good. Yeah. See, look, the pun turned into something so much more that I hadn't even expected. So that's that's great. Um, and the last one, just really quickly. Sometimes I get angry. Yeah but I don't want to be loud about it. So what makes you have a quiet ferocity? Uh, I, you get angry and you don't want to, what do you do? I don't want to be loud about it. Like for example, you know, someone's eating too loud in a movie. I don't want to scream at them, but I, I've got a bit of a quiet ferocity about it. Oh yeah, right. 
Um, I guess uh, I'm a big fan of mindfulness meditation. Oh, yeah. So I'm not trying to sound like a wank now, but uh, <laughs> I actually do find it really helpful. So <laughs> some deep breathing is not too bad. Yeah. For uh, for cooling your cooling your nerves, but uh, you know, having a nice cold beer at the end of the day if you've had a shit day at work is, is never a bad idea yeah it's a um, good way to end the day I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a pacifist though so yeah. like it's a good way to just, be it's always good to laugh yeah. as well just laughing at things that piss you off <laughs> kind of weakens them a little bit yeah um, but I guess suppose laughing isn't quiet but uh, ah, but yeah I, th- I still think that that works it's a look. Silent I want giggles. You can have some silent giggles. Yeah, look. I I just wanted the pun to get out there to the world. So I think you you answered yeah. it as best for a, a poorly worded question. Um, no, no, no. It was good. It was good. The other thing that I personally do is I I've got chronic uh, angry man jaw. So I, I clench my teeth yeah. really bad if I'm pissed off. Yeah, it's quite kind of makes sense why you have the nightmare about losing all your teeth then. Oh, Correlation, could perhaps. Be. Look, you, I'm not going to charge you for that free uh, psychology um, examination. That's okay. a free one, but next time yeah. I'll have to charge you. All right. <laughs> um, thank you, Andrew, so much for joining us. And we look forward to seeing the Jungle Giants at the Enmore Theatre on Friday the 25th of August. Of course, you're playing in, yeah. in Brisbane tonight, but um, all our Sydney fans are going to come and see you at, at the Enmore on the 25th. Absolutely. Get your tickets because I think there's only about 50... 50 to 100 left yeah not so, much and then we're selling about 50 every two days so come on yeah <laughs> awesome um thank you thanks so much andrew it was a real pleasure speaking to you